Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, reach out to me directly. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. Well, we have another important show for you today. We're going to talk about the debt market, the commercial real estate market, you know, the liquidity in the debt market, the cost of debt how lenders are feeling about the market, the amount of distress they're having, you know, has a huge impact on the commercial real estate world and what to expect moving forward. Please welcome my guest is Tom Fink. He is Senior VP with TREP. Uh, Tom, good to see you again. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Michael. Of the various commercial real estate sectors, which one has the most distress? Which one has the most defaults and uh, late payers right now? So, the sector of the market that still has the most distress in terms of late payment and delinquencies is still lodging, hotels. Uh, but interestingly enough, it's focused on the business hotels, the central city, you know, the large full service hotels. Those are the ones that are still most penalized by this market. That's the lack of business traveler travel. It's the fact that you and I are sitting in our home office or our home studios or our, you know, our suburban offices that's holding everything back, I think, for the lodging sector. Um, we are seeing um, properties where the borrower has just given up and given the keys back to the lender. Um, there are talk, you know, limited service hotel, vacation type hotel, resort type hotel, that seems to be, have recovered somewhat. You can still get great deals in a lot of parts of the country, but rates are back up in some of the markets and occupancy is back up as well. Retail continues to struggle, but you know, retail, like all real estate, is a tale of two cities. The B and C malls, the 50-year-old mall that was re renovated 20 years ago, that's lost its Sears and its J.C. Penney's and all the other department stores and you know, large box retailers. People are trying to figure out what to do with that space. It's selling for land value if it sells. Uh, you know, the top end malls, the class A's, the market leaders are still strong, but we see over and over again that people are rethinking the extent to which they want to be involved in the U.S. small business. Yeah. So how much uh, distress is there in the office world, uh, debt world right now? You know, we still don't see a lot of distress as we define it, where people have stopped paying their mortgages and stopped paying their loans. But the flip side of it is there's still an awful lot of fully leased buildings that don't have anybody in them uh, or might have 10 or 15 percent capacity, 10 or 15 percent physical occupancy, even though the building is 100 percent or, you know, 90, 100 percent occupied from a lease point of view. Businesses are paying for the space they have as a reserve for when they're going to go back to work. Um, but again, those plans of when companies are going back to work are very much up in the air. I think Google has officially pushed back to 2022. Apple's pushed back to 2022. Um, I think it was LinkedIn that said work from permanent work from home is going to be the norm for them as a company. 
Um, and, you know, the banks are on the other extreme. I mean, you've got Goldman and J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley all saying, you know, we want people back in the office. And I know outside of the major urban areas, people are back in the office more often. I mean, I was on the phone with a client, uh, you know, yesterday talking uh, with them. They're based in, in Florida. And the guy, the person I was talking to said, eh, you know, we've been in the office for months. Uh, and they continue to operate in the office. I think the initial ability to work from home was well received. I think a lot of companies buckled down and moved forward, but we are now almost 18 months into this, and I think it's starting to fray around the edges in a lot of companies. They're starting to worry about how do we bring new people on? How do we onboard new employees? How do we teach them our way of doing things. Uh, you know, it, in the technology world, I think that's less of an issue, but, you know, often, you know, Apple, Google, LinkedIn, Salesforce, Facebook, they all still maintain large office portfolios. And I don't know what will happen if they decide that they don't need that office anymore. Yeah, and your point about the suburban office, I lead a team that sells office buildings, and we're selling some suburban buildings in Metro Atlanta, uh, West Palm Beach, and other areas around the country. And when we do the walkthroughs, uh, to your point, the tenants are in there, the businesses are vibrant. Mainly, though, it's smaller tenants that we see are really using their space, and especially in suburban markets. But yet some of the larger you know, CBD buildings, uh, we see exactly what you're talking about. A lot of tenants paying, uh, but not using the space yet, especially the, the larger the company, this seems the, the more fear uh, that's there. And I also agree with you that the, the companies are going to more and more see the, the challenges uh, with work from home as far as uh, security um, with uh, uh, onboarding and with recruiting and with the culture and with collaboration. and with, with uh, production, uh, right? I know the companies that uh, we deal with that are doing a lot of work from home, it's a lot more challenging uh, getting things done with them than it is the companies who are all together in, in an office somewhere. So uh, it's interesting to see what's gonna happen there. And Tom, one thing that people think about in our industry, uh, a lot of them anyway, is buying distressed properties. Uh, how much distressed sales have you seen so far? A lot, a lot less than everybody was thinking we would see. Um, look, I mean, every lender and every regulator said, we don't want to hit the panic button this time. We don't want to start dumping properties and exacerbate a bad situation. You can call it kick the can if you want, but there was a lot of forbearance um, for borrowers. There was a lot of hard looking at assets. I mean, an asset that was in trouble before COVID hit, those are the ones that are probably still on going through the process and are distressed assets. Um, I mean, if you're looking to buy BNC malls, those are also distressed assets in a lot of markets. Um, and we're seeing some very, very low valuations for a lot of those properties. Um, but it has never risen to the volume that people had anticipated. Um, I still think there's, going, there's always going to be distressed opportunities, 
there's always going to be properties that aren't performing as they should. There are always going to be, you know, older properties that need some TLC to get them back in the market in a way that's competitive. Uh, those are always going to be there, but there, there wasn't this deluge of, you know, distressed loans, distressed properties that people thought there might be um, following, you know, the onset of COVID. I think part of that is the official recession only lasted two months. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of effort on the part of everyone to, you know, continue to work as best they could to, you know, a lot of companies continue to pay lease on space they weren't using. I mean, you know, we have a beautiful office uh, in Rockefeller Center on Fifth Avenue in New York City that we only just started having people back in, you know, four weeks ago. But we paid our rent the whole time, um, you know, and that's that's what made it possible for the office market as a whole to ride out the storm that we've had. Um, even, you know, our plan, if we were to, when we got back in the full office, was going to be a hybrid structure where uh, folks had the option of working from home Mondays and Fridays, but you're expected to be in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and that was to promote that kind of, you know, group working and, and serendipity of running into somebody, you know, in the lunchroom, out on the terrace, you know, walking the halls, uh, going from one meeting to another. Um, and, and you miss that kind of human interaction. Um, you know, humans are a social species. We're not supposed to be Absolutely. Most of us aren't designed to sit in front of a screen yeah. and only work in front of a screen with that being our total interaction with the rest of the world. We're That's just right. not. We're talking, with, yeah. we're talking with Tom Fink with TREP, and they track the uh, debt market in a really big way. And uh, Tom, this Delta variant, this this spike that we're seeing now, are, you, are what are lenders thinking about that? Are they doing anything different uh, related to, to their the reaction to this Delta variant? I, you know, I think everybody's concerned about it because the policy reaction, I think in part because the policy reaction has been so extreme. Um, you know, what really, you know, in my personal opinion, I am not, not a microbiologist, I'm not an epidemiologist, uh, I'm just an interested observer of science and I read in it quite frequently. Um, the lockdown was because they really didn't know how this thing transmitted. They, they figured out it was, it was, you know, airborne. That's why they recommend masks in a lot of cases, particularly in a very closed environment. Um, but, you know, there was a huge penalty that we paid and continue to pay for the extensive lockdowns that were undertaken uh, the last go round. Uh, think policymakers and the healthcare industry has to recognize this is this is a long-term chronic situation. Um, this is in the population. This is in the environment. It's going to be there a long time, and we have to treat it as that. Um, you know, and people have to go out and if their if their health allows it, they should be getting the vaccine. Um, because mm -hmm. even if you get sick. Generally, you're not going to be as sick, um, but the Delta variant has got people worried. I mean, I've don't I've 
already see money going back to work. That's going to hurt the retail space in city and office districts. Um, it's going to have a big knockdown effect if people don't start going back to the office. Is, uh, is the Delta variant um, impacting the liquidity or pricing of uh, debt yet? I don't think so. Um, you know, so the global, the global, what's going on in the markets globally is that buying securities, buying bonds, doesn't cover the bill, doesn't pay the bills. So everybody's looking for more yield. And the way they're doing it is they're going into private assets, whether it's real estate, uh, corporate loans, uh, um, renewable energy, uh, private equity. And there's a lot of money that is looking for those higher yields. And so as far as we can see in the market, there is no shortage of liquidity for debt or for equity uh, in a lot of situations. I mean, I don't know how many of your uh, clients, you know, follow the, mar the information market like we do. I mean, there's a company called Art Real Capital Analytics, RCA, which is best known for its um, cap rate series on values of commercial real estate. They were just bought by MSCI for almost a billion dollars. So I think that's a sign of the ongoing liquidity in the marketplace. Um, our parent company, DMGT, just uh, inked an agreement with Moody's to sell one of our sister companies for, I think it's like 1.4 billion pounds, which, you know, 1.71, whatever the exchange rate is these days. But there's plenty of money for opportunities that people think are the ones they want to have. Every company that we talk to that's a real estate developer is busy. Um, the big guys are announcing projects all the time. Uh, you know, SL Green was able to recapitalize one Vanderbilt um, and take a nice profit on that. So there's plenty of liquidity out there. There's plenty to get deals done. I don't think people will bid on just anything. I think it's got, there's got to be a story that makes sense. But, you know, people are buying distressed malls. They're buying distressed hotel loans. Um, and they're looking for opportunities to repurpose. I mean, what we're starting to see, uh, I've heard uh, from, you know, some of our contacts in the academic community, that major developers are looking to buy these busted shopping centers and turn them into mixed-use communities because it's a often a large plot of land, generally with fairly good access. Um, and it makes sense to turn it into, you know, multi-use community with housing and tail and local offices all in, in one complex. And, you know, I think there's, um, that's an interesting approach. But again, there's plenty of capital to do plenty of things. Yeah. And if you can tell somebody it's a green investment or a sustainable investment, the bids are just coming out of the woodwork. That's great. And Tom, what do you uh, see for uh, interest rates uh, right now? And, and what do you forecast moving forward? I mean, interest rates are down. They're going to stay down. The policy, the, the policy, uh, policy mavens don't want interest rates to go up. Um, there's a real argument to, to when are they going to acknowledge the inflation that's already built into the system? How are they going to address that? But for right now, 
I think interest rates are going to stay down. And that's what another reason why liquidity is so strong in real estate is that you can get, if you invest in real estate, you can get better than a corporate return, corporate bond return for the same risk. Yeah. Tom, what would you leave our audience to think about um, related to uh, commercial real estate debt uh, in the U.S. today? Very active market. If you own a property and can show that it's generating cash flow, you can probably get some pretty good financing. Um, if you've got a property that isn't doing so well, you can probably get financing from one of the debt funds that's going to look to do if you've got a good transition strategy. Um, so now's the time to look at your portfolio. What does it need to fix it up? How much do you need to fix it up and start looking for the money? Because it's out there. Yep. All right. Good point. Tom, good information. Thank you for joining us, sir. My pleasure, Michael. Always fun. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country. Please comment. Uh, please uh, share the show and uh, join us on your favorite social media. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing site selection and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access 1, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.